Hello friends, welcome to Feeling This Life. We're a family support podcast that dives deep into the triumphs, challenges, and strategies that are part of the lives of those who care for children with blindness and visual impairments. I'm Paige Maynard, and I'm a teacher of the visually impaired and an early interventionist at VIPS, Visually Impaired Preschool Services. And I'm Dr. Kathy Smith, and I also have been a teacher of students with visual impairment for many years, and now I am the Director of Research at Anchor Center for Blind Children. I am Jenny Castanier, and I am the Family Services Coordinator at VITS. I am the mother of three girls, and my youngest has a visual impairment. Today, we're going to be talking about what to expect in your daily life and your child's daily life with a visual impairment. And Jenny, I know that you have lots of daily personal experience with your daughter and the way that her visual impairment impacts your daily life. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, So our youngest daughter, Hannah, she is adopted and when we had decided we were going to adopt her. We knew that she had a visual impairment. However, we didn't know exactly the extent of it or what it entailed. But my initial thought aside from, you know, getting her to a doctor and figuring out what our next steps medically would be, or what will our daily life look like? I mean, the little things like can't, what about my other kids have toys everywhere? Like, will she be able to maneuver through this whole mess or do I somehow have to figure out a way to keep this house clean because it's never happened before? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, things like, will we get a dog? Um, you know, we have our little family dog, but she's definitely not any kind of therapy dog or vision. <clears throat> dog. I mean, just all these weird <clears throat> questions of what will our life look like? So I figured, you know, I have no idea what to expect. At that time, my older girls um, were three and five. So I knew they couldn't even comprehend enough to even think about that. So we did things like we're lucky enough to live in Louisville, um, which is a great area for visual impairments. We're here with American Printing House for the Blind. Um, and then of course, FIPS where Paige and I work. But um, I took the girls to American Printing House for the Blind and they have you know all kinds of resources there. They have like the museum part but then they also have like a hands-on area where the girls could use canes and there were simulators that you could put on and see what it looked like if you had a cataract or if your vision was you know 20 over 200 and or you could completely do blindfolded activities so um that was really neat and it was neat for me to see at that point how in just that little amount of time that we were there how much my girls took to it and how interested they were. And even when they blindfolded themselves and were going around the museum, like they were learning and it kind of made me think like, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of things that are different that we have to do, but we also, it's just gonna be part of our normal life. And this is our Mm -hmm. daughter and we're still gonna do all these fun things. And just watching my other kids learning as they couldn't see at that moment. It was just really eye-opening to me, so. I think that's really um, something that we should point out that, so 
in your case, you were able to plan a little bit ahead of time. And obviously, most families don't get to plan. It's all of a sudden, I have a child with visual impairment. How is this going to affect my life? But I think what's important about what you shared with us is that you made use of the resources in your area. And I think everybody has some kind of resources in their area, even if they have to go online to find them. And that they should not be afraid to contact local people, whether it's a university or if it's an organization that provides services or even just talk to your local TVI so that they learn, so that the whole family can learn more about how a visual impairment may affect their daily life. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I just think asking questions, like sometimes, even though we we knew it was coming, I didn't know exactly what to expect. And her diagnosis is completely different than anything we ever expected. Um, But I just felt really stupid because I didn't know how to ask the question that I was thinking. Like, how do I even put into words all my questions that I have. So I just learned, just start asking and and start explaining and you'll figure it out. And people are are always there to help you. So I totally agree with that, Kathy, to, you know, use your resources. Yep. There's no stupid questions, Jenny. No (laughs) such thing. (laughs) That's that's the first thing you got to learn. No stupid questions because um, why, why would you know? I mean, how, how much, do any of us um, have experience with people who have visual impairment? So unless you were raised in a family with a sibling or a parent, um, I think a lot of us don't. And so we don't know how to act. So I always like to say that my extent of knowing about a visual impairment was all the years that I spent watching Little House on the Prairie (laughs) with Mary. And honestly, that was the extent of what I knew. It was Mary. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And and maybe Helen Keller in second grade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget (laughs) Helen Keller. Yeah. Who's an amazing person, but maybe not your typical person with a visual impairment. So... I have a question about yeah. uh, you're talking about how you with the things that you did to prepare your family for your daughter joining and but I'm also curious like are there like any like uh, specific like daily routines that you feel like maybe look a little, a little bit different or that you've had to get creative with in order to help her to be able to access things or participate yeah for sure um I think the first one that never even crossed my mind was how often I nod my head or point to something. And, um, you know, she was little and she would say, you know, like her one word or two words. And so then I would speak trying to get the language going. But as she got older, I found myself being saying things like over there or, you know, you know that it's up there or down there. Um, or just nodding my head. And then when she's asking me, I'm like, I said, yes. And then I realized like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I had no idea how often I use like hand signals or just nodding or shaking my head. So we've all, my husband, my daughters, all of us, we've really had to make a point to be very descriptive. Like, you know, and she, she's little, but she quickly learned her left from right, which I know they need to know, like, 
directions too, but like north, south, east, west, whatever. But mm-hmm. she quickly learned that, and we tried to remember to say like over there to the right, um, and do those sorts of things, as well as just remembering to take her cane with us has been a huge thing. And I sound like a horrible parent when I say how many times I've forgotten her cane and we've gotten places and I've been like, oh my gosh, this would be the perfect spot for her to practice because in all honesty, especially when she was really little, we weren't going many places that she wasn't used to. Like she knew my house, she knew my parents' house, like the back of her hand, she knew the preschool. But then we'd go somewhere like a park and I'd be like, oh, this was perfect. And I totally forgot the cane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that you are not the only one. And it's okay. I I feel like a lot of the families I work with, they're like, oh, no, I forgot that, you know, whatever it is, like special device that helps them. Uh, So it's, but I guess it's a good thing that you remember that you forgot because then maybe you'll remember next time, you know, like every exposure that she gets to it, you know, even if it's just a few, it's still really helpful. So yeah, that's good. And soon your daughter will be responsible to remember it herself, hopefully. that's that's what I need to happen, honestly. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So, Kathy, one of the things I know about you is that you have lots of experience professionally with helping families to help their child to participate in daily routines and uh, helping them understand how that might look a little bit different. So can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, I think so most providers, I hope at this point, know that when we're in early intervention or the birth to three system, and then still as kids move into preschool, that young children learn best in those daily routines. So even specific skills that you want kids to learn, if they can be incorporated into your family's daily routine, then um, it's going to be, it, it will provide more opportunity for them to practice and for families to have a good idea of how well they're doing with that particular routine. Um, so I just want to make sure that everybody knows where we're, what we're talking about in terms of the research is very clear that the best way to teach specific kill, skills to young children is through constant family routines. So it's really helpful to me. Yes, it's really helpful to me as a a provider to when families can share with me what their routines are, because everybody's routines a little bit different. I know Paige has worked with me extensively on some of our mealtime routine work, um, trying to get research put together for that. And so we've looked at a lot of families in their mealtimes, and I can tell you everybody's mealtime looks different. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we're trying to get families to all do the same thing. It's that we're trying to get them to do what they do and how can we support them to help their child. So like Jenny was saying, a perf- this is a perfect example about not using specific language and how important it is to use specific language at mealtime to describe the foods and the 
the texture of the food and talking about the color and and saying that you're enjoying the food that you are eating. So we really encourage parents to um, participate in mealtime with their child, even if it's just having a cup of tea or a cookie or a, a cup of oatmeal or something while their child's eating. So you can say things like, Mmm, this is good, which sounds funny, but if your child can't see you eat that food, then how are they going to learn that it's a pleasurable experience? So there's lots of different routines in the day that we can teach things. There's bath time, there's meal time, there's going outside, there's reading. You know, we call at Anchor Center, we call reading is lap times because you can do reading mm -hmm. in the lap and you can do it. You can do other things in your parents lap. But so all those kind of fun early experiences but those are all routines and then we ask parents what does your routine look like and how can we help you teach your child um, strategies to participate in that mm -hmm. I think uh, something also to talk about whenever we talk about routines is I've talked to some of my families before and I'll, I'll say tell me about your daily routines and they might respond like, well, we don't really have a routine, but really <laughs> everybody does have routines. Maybe it doesn't always happen in the same order or maybe you get off schedule during the day, but everybody has a diaper change or a self-care time during Absolutely. the day. And that's a routine. Everybody has a meal time during the day. Everybody, you know, wakes up in the morning and that's one of your routines as well. And so I think it's uh, important, I think, to honor that like, even if you don't feel like your life is kind of in control, you still have routines and you still kind of have predictable things for your child throughout the day. And so definitely you can do it. Yeah, I've worked yeah. with many families who, who their mealtime routine when they get home after work is that they sit on the couch and they have their food and their child when they're little is sitting in between them or sitting in front of them on the floor and I've had many parents share that it's like oh I don't think about my my child can't watch tv with me and I said but but your child is excited to be next to you so it's a time that you're with them so think about how can you engage them even in that tv watching maybe you're listening to a show that has music and you can enjoy the music together mm -hmm. um you know and and just the fact that they're sitting next to you and the, and you're physically accessible to them is a really nice part of the day and they so what's important about routines for little ones is that they learn to have expectations. So the expectation is for your children, Jenny, is that when you come home, you're going to have reading time. So you might not think of it as a routine, but they know what's going to happen. And routines make children feel safe and allow them to learn um, better and more deeply, I think. And also one of the things that I just kind of took from what you said, Jenny, and what you said, Kathy, about helping our children to access 
their routines and their environment is really that the fact that their vision prevents them just from like incidentally learning about all the things that are going on. And so one of the things that I would say maybe that that we can say for many children with visual impairments uh, in the way that their routines might look a little bit different and in their day is that they might just not be able to visually access things. And so one of the things that you can expect as a, a family would be to help your child to gain that information, whether it be like Jenny did with giving lots of verbal cues uh, to her daughter about directions or describing things or bringing things up close. So sometimes it might maybe look like kind of just like slowing your daily routines down so that your child can access those things. So um, it, it definitely, I think, can be a, a, a time to kind of find joy in the things I think that you that you do. And also speaking of that, I, I kind of also think that talking about what you might expect, like with your own feelings can be really important, like throughout your day. Cause sometimes, you know, you may get to that like quiet moment of the day. If your child takes a nap, hopefully they do. Uh, and which is a routine. Yeah, that's, that's a routine, a rest routine. One we highly routine. recommend. <laughs> yes. Um, that you you might maybe expect that you'll find some things that your child struggles with and you might also just kind of expect that you might grieve those things and that's okay because your life uh, and your child's life might maybe look a little, a little bit different than you expected. Um, so do you guys have any other things, I guess, to say about, you know, like your own feelings as the parent or, you know, in supporting families with thinking about how and, and, and their feelings about how their, their life, uh, you know, functions maybe a little bit differently than the family of a sighted child? I just, I love that you said, even if it doesn't seem like you have a routine, there's always things that are routine. And, you know, our house is two working parents. Um, so it's not where every day we could schedule, you know, this is our time to do this and this is our time to do that. But it's, you know, get up, get ready, get out the door, get to work, get to school, come home. And mm -hmm. then, you know, we have our reading time and all that. Um, but like you said, that is a routine for them and that yes. that's good to remember. And I feel like if you're really new to parenting a child with a visual impairment, at some point, it won't be as overwhelming. Um, it's always going to yes. be this, you know, huge thing that isn't exactly how you want life to be, maybe. Um, but it will be something that you get used to. For example, like my daughter the other day said something about airplanes. And she said, man, I never can see those. And it kind of stopped me because... I don't even think about it sometimes. Like if the girls are saying, oh, the older girls are saying, hey, there's an airplane in the sky. And, you know, we used to say, what's an airplane look like? Where, what do you do on an airplane? That sort of thing. And now that she's a little bit older, sometimes I just, it doesn't even cross my mind until I hear her say something like, oh man, I never can see an airplane. Mm -hmm. And so then I remember like, okay, let's get out. Let's, you know, when we get home, we're going to get out of like, book and let her feel and the shape of it and everything but it, that just goes to show that it's not always the number one thing on my mind is that she has a visual impairment like it's just normal to us oh that's mm -hmm. a great point
So Jenny, you were talking about how your daughter said that she couldn't see the airplane in the sky. And I was wondering about how that made you feel the first time that she said it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, I mean, it broke my heart. I don't, I don't know why it's not like I didn't know that, but just to hear her say it, it totally broke my heart and, you know, took me back. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a normal part of our life now. So when she says things like that, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, like there are these things that she is missing that I need to remember that she is missing and we need to figure out how to talk about it and how to make sure that she knows about just simple things like that. But yeah, it really mm -hmm. did. It broke my heart. And I, I told my mom and my mom was like, oh, and like, I mean, it broke her heart too. So yeah, it's just, it just kind of was like, oh my gosh, like she really does. She misses a lot of things like that. Yeah. How does it make you feel now whenever she talks about those things that she isn't able to see has it changed has your perspective or your your feelings on it changed at all a little bit i guess it kind of depends on the situation that we're in i would say that it still breaks my heart and i think like oh you know i wish i could change that for her but at the same time it's not like a pity break break my heart um it's more of just like a oh like you're right, you know, I wish you could see that too. But now I feel like we have more skills, more support to where I can say like, she is verbalizing to me that she can't say that, that she needs that. And what can we do to teach from that angle of her verbalizing that she can't see it? Um, I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful that, um, you know, she can see other things now through technology that she never could see before. And as she gets older, we learn more and more about what we need to give her to allow her to see more. Because the younger she was, you know, I don't know if she's telling the truth or explaining right. Not that she's like lying about it, but like, does she just remember what that picture was? Because they ask her the same card every single time we go to the doctor. Or can she really not see that from there? Um, so I just, I think it's a different kind of, it'll always make me sad just because we want everything to be perfect for our children. Um, but it's not like a pity sad, if that makes any kind of sense at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like from what you're saying that, you know, like the, those things that kind of are, are always like a tender area. Cause it reminds you of the things that your child is not able to do, but I think it's really valuable. I think for maybe other people who are in your situation to look at how that can be an opportunity for, you know, like some problem solving. And then also I like how you, you know, talk about the things that you're grateful for. Like sometimes those times in our lives, whenever, uh, you know, it kind of feel like the darkest can, you know, bring some beauty out of that because it reminds us that, you know, there are things to be grateful for even during really um, hard times or, you know, where you're reminded about, you know, like how life maybe isn't exactly how you expected it to be. I think this is, I don't know if either one of you have read um, the book For the Benefit of Those Who See by Roseberry Mahoney. I'm like in the middle of it right now, but it's it's really wonderful. And I think it kind of um, uh, attends to this conversation that we're having because um, it's about a woman who goes to uh, see the School for the Blind in Tibet. And she 
as she's going through her experiences with the people who live there, um, she realizes that she's the one at a disadvantage because she can see instead of mm -hmm. the, the kids who live there or the adults who live there and the advantages they have of how they use their other senses to get through their life. So it's, it's a, I'm really enjoying it. So it's something to think about. So you can. Mm -hmm. What was that called again? The benefit. Yeah, it's the for the benefit of those who see by Roseberry Mahoney. I've heard of Mahoney. it, but I have not read it yet, and it has been like on the on the shelf of my reading list for a long time. So maybe we need to do another po another podcast where we have like a book club on that book. Yeah, no doubt. Some different uh, books that are kind of pertinent to our topic. Yep, yeah, no kind doubt. Of fun. I really yeah. think that's a good idea because I really like reading books like that. I really am so glad that you all took time to talk with me today about how daily routines might look a little bit different and that that's okay and that families can find joy in all parts of their day and in their interactions with their children. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to Feeling This Life. Please consider subscribing to Feeling This Life wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a minute or two to give us your feedback and your ideas for future episodes by completing our survey, which is linked in the show notes. There, you'll also find ways to get in contact with us, and you'll find resources related to today's episode. If you'd like to support us in making more episodes of Feeling This Life, look for the donation link in the show notes. Please join us again next time for another episode of Feeling This Life.